This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Tonight I want to talk about fountains and rivers. And, and literally when Kevin got up and started, his heart stayed in worship. Because he drinks at the fountain inside that God's building in him and it just kept flowing out. And so, you know, we've been talking about um, the spirit-filled life. And so I want to look at some of these things. Even this, within what we'll look at with fountains and rivers, um, I wrote in my notes, the surrendered will, you spoke about obedience, Kevin, the surrendered will and the power of trusting and believing. That's so paramount in our lives. A surrendered will to, to truly just say, I believe you, God, and I'm going to step into giving, not just because I have need, but because your word says that this is a lifestyle. You see, as we've looked at the spirit-filled existence, spirit-filled living, we're looking at a lifestyle that God gives us the freedom to walk how we want. We have free will. I'm not sure we realize what a gift free will is. You see, God never intended us to be clones. He didn't create us to just be robotrons that do what he says. He gave us free will. He gave us free will because he is one of free will. But because he is love, he chooses to bless with his will. His will, his intention, his purpose is always for blessing. So as he created us, he created us like himself, that we could go, we have the power to go any direction we want. Do you understand the, the gift of having a will? Of having the intelligence to make a plan and have a will. Come on, guys. Look at what has been created on the earth. All of the knowledge of everything that's been created, um, even technology and so forth. Some know that their gift to discover and so forth came from God, but many do not. Yet it came from God. And he gave humans the will to discover and to move in knowledge that is beyond comprehension. Let's look at John 4.14. Fountains and rivers. Because we've talked about the spirit-filled life. And, and I want to look at fountains and rivers. Because there are inclinations. There are happenings happening in you every day. Every single day. That are of God. That are movements of your spirit. In unison with the spirit of the living God. And I, I was talking with a couple of people on staff, a couple of different conversations today about how s sometimes we look for the spectacular and we miss the magnitude of the supernatural. Supernatural. The, the supernatural is very simplistic. We all sit in this room fearfully and wonderfully made tonight. That's, we're supernatural. We have been created and your heart beats. Your brain causes all the functions of your body to happen 
succinctly together, even my brain carrying me one step, one foot in front of the other to move about. I don't have to think about breathing. I don't have to think about thinking. Come on, guys. The the magnitude. That's why I believe God has spent so many weeks talking to us about our mindset. Because you don't have to think to think. You're thinking all the time. We are thinking. Say no condemnation and resist confusion right now. John 4.14. And if you have a red letter Bible... This is Jesus, okay? Um, Let's start at 13, just succinct, or, you know, to get in some context. And he's at at the well with the woman. Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit springing up and flooding you with endless life. This is a passion translation. So if, and I didn't give Donna, I'm sorry, I didn't give you my script. I'm, I'm so naughty with that. I'm sorry. But think about that. When, when we drink, when we go to the scriptures, when we gather like this, you see, Every aspect of what God does in the earth and bringing people together and bringing people together around the word. He's speaking into our lives. And when you participate, when you're obedient in the things of God, God is moving inside of us. And so sometimes even in giving, it's not just the tithe. You may be prompted to do more than the tithe. You may be prompted to go in another direction and sow into a missions area or give cash. Allison taught about you'll never see the $20 bill the same again. What will these actions do? You see, we can't scrutinize our own selves and say, well, when we're in worship, I don't want to sing too loud. What if someone hears me? Well, what if you break free the whole room with your voice? Thank you. You came up here and your heart was still worshiping. You didn't come out of worship until you were time to come out of worship and then speak the word of the the word of the offering had already begun. The minute he took the mic and was up here, there was a fountain springing up. He stayed at the fountain and it became rivers coming out. The father's generosity in an offering message flowing out. Same thing when Allison was overtaken by the spirit a couple of weeks ago. Think about this, guys. These are fountains and rivers. There are spiritual inclinations happening inside of us. We may think they're not profound because they don't look spectacular. But you don't know what will happen when you release them out of your life. This kind of thing is so powerful to me. Okay, let's go to John 7. For some reason, this scripture is not looking right to me. But we'll see when we get there. That's the right one. It's okay. Still in the passion. Then on the most important day of the feast, the last day, Jesus stood and shouted out to the crowds, all you thirsty ones, come to me. Come to me and drink. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you, flowing from your innermost being, just like the scriptures say. 
You see, we don't sit in here on Wednesday nights or Sunday mornings. You don't read the Bible at home to gain a knowledge. Knowledge does come. But when you continue to drink at a fountain of what's happening inside, your fountain may look different than mine. So, you know, if, if, if what I'm saying, you're thinking, well, I don't experience life like Kathy. Get with the Father and ask him, what is my fountain? What are my rivers? What are the things that I'm hesitating in? Because sometimes we'll hesitate just in a, a generous phone call to somebody that popped up in our brain. A thought that just came. Or an inclination to, to bless somebody. To send a text. There are so many things. Or you see someone that needs healing. And rising inside of you is, I need to pray for them. But then the thought comes. I don't really know how. You see, the power is not in knowing how. The power is in doing it. Okay, we're not studying to know how we're looking at these scriptures because they should stimulate us inside. They should stimulate us. They should move us. And, and sometimes, and I think I might've said this last week, sometimes they make us mad. It's moving you. Don't get mad that you're mad. Sometimes even like we'll think it's condemnation coming. It's not really condemnation coming from a teacher. It may be the convincing of the Holy Spirit, the conviction. You see, you can change that word. If you don't like the word conviction, the word can be convincing. The Holy Spirit comes to convince us you're powerful. You're filled with my life. You're filled with the power to heal. You know that healing is of me. Put your hands on people. Put your words on people. Put your love on people. When the offering is taken up on a Wednesday night, what if every one of us, not, not just the money part, but let our faith rise up inside that whatever the offering that comes here on a Wednesday night, Father, let it be multiplied in how well it can be used by this household. You see, when we put things together, when we put our lives together, when we put our faith together, when we say, you know what? We are supernatural beings. You see, we are not just, this room is way fuller. Don't, don't look around and think, oh, maybe there's whatever, 50, 60 people here. This room is packed. This room by your hearts has made an enthronement manifestly of God. Angels gather around his throne. Scripture tells us crying holy, holy, speaking of his majesty, his goodness, his beauty. We are not alone. You know how they'll say that like um, with respect to aliens and whatnot. We are not alone. We aren't alone. The prophet said to his helper, <laughs> there are far more with us than those that are against us. Lord, open his eyes. You see, that's what God wants to say to us tonight. Let your eyes be opened that every breath out of your life can bring life to others. And the more that we release it, the more that it rises up. Do you see the simplicity of the supernatural? Now think about this. A breath of hope. There were some things that Alex said as we worshiped tonight. And if a glimmer of hope rose in you. If you had, as Kevin said, you know, any heaviness. But some 
even when he spoke, maybe a glimmer, a, 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 just a trickle, a drop of hope. Oh, maybe it could be okay. That's supernatural. That's not natural. That's supernatural. That's the movement of spirit. Holy Spirit with yours. A melody rising in your heart. Ever just been going through your day and just a melody rises in your heart? Or you wake up with a song on your heart? Or maybe you wake yourself up singing. I woke myself up one night singing in tongues. That's weird. But it happened. That's supernatural. Think about this. And, you know, I'm, I, when I say things like this, it's compounding in this place. Something is happening among us. Why? Y'all's hearts. Your hearts. Say, that's me. You're a part of what's happening in here. The movement of God on Wednesday nights is becoming more and more movie. <laughs> Active. You, that's why. People coming that love God, that are hungry, that are curious. Curiosity is such a beautiful thing. Uh, There's a lot of things I've learned in 30 years here. And in 64 years on the planet, there's a lot of things I've learned. Some not so cool. Um, But there's always more. There's always more. And I'm so curious. And even when we gather, I'm so curious about y'all's hunger. (laughs) I am. I'm like, ooh, Lord, how are you touching people? What are you doing inside of people? What what causes people to come on Wednesday nights? What you don't have to go to church. Jesus loves you. You don't ever have to come into church again the rest of your life. And it won't change his feelings for you. Yet most of you, every week you come. That's supernatural. You know, some would say, oh, well, you all are religious. No, we're not. No, we're not. Plus the fact, there's more than one definition for religion. I'm just saying. Sometimes we're so judgmental. My mom used to say, when I went into full-time ministry, my mom would say, I tell people how precious and religious you are. And I'm like, But you see, the definition of her heart was that I'm devoted. I'm devoted to God. She was so happy that I was devoted to God. Here's here's the final one with the simplicity of the supernatural. The beauty of nature given to us by the creator, who happens to be our father. Think about it, all the beauty. To me, even trees with no leaves are beautiful. Because they're still alive. And the potential and what's happening inside of a tree with no leaves, it's more active (laughs) in the winter than in the summer. Once summer comes, the leaves are out. It's already grown them. There they are. And they just sway in the breeze. But all fall, winter, and the early part of the spring, inside there's movement. There is something happening. There's something happening in you. You believe that you're a tree in God? One of the psalmists says that our leaves are for the healing of the nations. 
when you're in a tough spot and it feels like there's no leaves on your branches, oh, there's a lot happening. So we're going to look at the surrendered will and the power of trusting and believing. What we do with our own, don't miss this, what we do with our own personal authority is key. I remember when Neil and I were in the Baptist church and um, one of our first, we had rededicated our lives. We were both born again as children and we had rededicated our lives and we were in um, a fundamental Baptist church, independent. And our first fall there, there was a missions conference and um, we had begun to be faithful in tithes and that was a stretch. It took faith. Um, and then our hearts were moved with respect to missions and, and Neil felt that God had told him an amount to give. It seemed so huge to me, but now when I look back, I'm, but think about whatever amount, when you put it together with everybody else who's being moved, it makes the world go round. What we do with our own personal authority is key. I said at the beginning, we have the blessing of having a free will. What we do with that will is quite supernatural. It's a beautiful privilege of structure and order, divine order, a divinely ordered pattern of living. It causes us to stay alive or enlivened. Even as Kevin was speaking over the offering about obedience, that What has gotten him started in that is obedience. You see, that's part of a divinely ordered existence that we don't have to obey God. Like, we won't drop dead if we don't obey God. That's pretty powerful. (laughs) However, being willful in our choices and separate from the truths that he says are the patterns for true life, then we can get pretty far down the road and each little degree, say no condemnation, but each little degree of using our will on our own can cause us to arrive at a place we never intended to go. Pastor Barry used to say, a golf shot, one degree at the tee can change the ball by hundreds of yards. I'm not a golfer. Did I say that right, golfers? Neil, did I say that right? Think about that. So we can use our will and say, you know, really, I can live however I want. Yes, we can. I could say anything I want up here, but one of the things that God has caused me to realize is whatever I say and with whatever heartbeat I say it, if I say it legalistic, I could put you all in bondage. But if I say it from my heart saying that I too am learning, I, too, am learning what it is, what my obedience looks like, what, it, what it's going to look like with each season of my life to yield my will even further. Y'all with me? Is this making sense? So let's look at some activities of yielded will. Uh, Matthew 3. These are some powerful actions. With people with yielded will. Matthew 3, verse 13 to 17. 
Then Jesus left Galilee to come to the Jordan to be baptized by John. That just seems normal, right? But when he waded into the water, John resisted him. Again, I'm reading the Passion Translation. John resisted him saying, why are you doing this? I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. And yet you come to be baptized by me. It's pretty powerful. Savior of the whole world. Goes to an Old Testament prophet. Take a deep breath. The Savior of the world. The New Covenant Savior. Goes to an Old Testament prophet. (laughs) To be baptized. Jesus replied, it is only the right, it is only right to do all that God requires. First of all, he was being led by the Spirit. He was being led by the Spirit. Part of what I think is powerful about that, that I feel like God has spoken to my heart about, is that when we submit our lives to what may appear to be the old, we actually release ourselves covered properly into the new. Children submit in the home to their parents. They learn what to do with their own authority. They could do anything they want in the home, and some of them do at times. But think about it. When they learn obedience, you see autonomy is a gift. To learn how to relinquish your will is to learn actually how to use your will. Seriously, this is, this is such powerful stuff. So many people struggle with submission, with structure and order. Um, Pastor Barry used to say, and when I first came here, I was like, I couldn't get my head around it, but he would say, God does nothing outside of divine order. But now I understand it's a far bigger picture than him being small in his thinking. He's large in his thinking. There's a divinely ordered pattern of life. He only does what is good and right and righteous. So when he comes, and what's just, so when he comes to correct us, to convict us, to show us the error of our ways, he's not coming to, to disillusion us, to make us feel naughty or dirty. He's coming to guide and nudge us, just like a parent that would have a child learning to walk, and the child might be, ready to fall into a, a sharp edge or corner of a piece of furniture and the parent might nudge. No, no, no. God's nudges. But see, what are we talking about tonight? Fountains and rivers. The beginning of happenings out here can start as correction in here. But when we drink at that fountain of his movement, his voice, his life inside of us, we begin to build a pattern of living that's going to express outward. It can't stay inside. It's too big. It's life. It's spirit. It's holy. And it's going to overflow and become rivers that fill our life, overflow our life, cover our life, and release into all the areas in the world. It's only right to do all that God requires. The King James or New King James says, 
that it would, should be done that way so that all righteousness can be fulfilled. Jesus chooses to submit to the old. He chooses to be baptized that he might be a baptizer. <laughs> Sometimes even when God's coming with truth, we let healing come to us so that we can be healers. Now, don't not heal people if you have something going on in your body. But I'm just painting pictures. We let things come into us. We let our mindset be changed. We even let our mindset be changed in our own identity, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are powerful beings. See, the overflow into outward expression is happening inside first. Then John baptized Jesus. And as Jesus rose up out of the water, the heavenly realm opened up over him. I'm one of those people, I'm like, okay, even if somebody sends me a picture, Marianne and um, Neil went to deliver the, you know, Eli's stockings, they went to deliver them to the hospital yesterday, and so they took a ride through the neighborhood that I grew up in, and Marianne sent me, I'm sitting at my desk, and here comes a text, and it's a picture of the house I grew up in. I always take my phone and stretch everything. I'm a picture stretcher. Like, even if somebody sends me a picture and it's, got, it's my baby's, Neil knows, on my, I love to just then go to my iPad and, like, if it's an iMessage and I can stretch it. And then it's like my baby's faces are huge and I can look in their little eyes. And I'm a picture stretcher. I'm a scriptural picture stretcher. I like to stretch the picture. What's really going on here? So John baptizes Jesus who gave up his will and followed what God said. God the Father is telling Jesus, go get baptized by John. We don't know, but we could speculate, Jesus, my John, my cousin. He could have had any kinds of, but he obeyed. He obeyed. He submitted. He relinquished his own right to choose, and he goes to be baptized. And as Jesus rose up out of the water, the heavenly realm opened up over him, and he saw the Holy Spirit descend out of the heavens and rest upon him in the form of a dove. So he obeys, he submits, he relinquishes his own will, and all of heaven opens up. Guys, I don't, I'm stretching the picture on this. I don't believe that I'm taking liberties. I believe that there are pictures in Jesus' life that show us that as a son of God, when you're led by the Spirit and you allow your life to literally be tucked in the plan of God, you don't even have to believe for the heavenly realm to be opened up over you. The heavenly realm is opened. You see, it's always open to us. It's always open for us. However, often we don't step into the place where all of that can manifest. You see, we can say no condemnation. We can take depressing thoughts. We can take oppressive thoughts. We can listen to the news. We can look around us and see debilitating situations, some of them very sad. And we can take thoughts and begin to ponder these thoughts and drink at a fountain that does not come from the spirit of the living God. And so it is. 
presses us. It depresses us. It literally causes the fountain to recede, the fountain of spirit. Say no condemnation. And I'm saying no condemnation, Kathy, no condemnation. But we need to understand there are things happening. Even when we come together, chats was packed today. And, and when we come together and we share our hearts and we we value one another and we talk and, and we listen to one another. And it's, it's not about, are we saying it right? It's about sharing our hearts. And as our hearts are shared, there's a flow happening there. There's something, and it happens in here. As your heart moves, there's a wind in the spirit. There is cross-pollination. <sighs> Very simple, but so supernatural. Hebrews 10.25 says, For, forsake not the gathering of yourselves together. But that's not, that was taught to me in the denomination I grew up in. That was taught as don't stop coming to church. When I got filled with the Spirit, I stretched the picture. And I got into the Greek with it. And what it actually means is, don't stop letting your lives be intricately put together because that putting together will become your strength and your power for our good and when something is for our good it will overflow us and become rivers then suddenly the voice of the father shouted I like that in the passion The voice of the father shouted from the sky saying, this is the son I love and my greatest delight is in him. Scripture tells us that Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. The firstborn son. I think if we could stretch the picture of our own obedience, our own submission, And see the father stretching the picture and watching us one by one and saying, Kathy's yielding in. She's yielding in. It's my greatest delight. Why is it his greatest delight when we lean in? Because it blesses us. It doesn't stop any flow from the creator who happens to be our father. Let's look at Matthew 8. Still looking at yielded ones. Matthew 8, I'm going to start at um, verse 5. This is the centurion, again in the Passion. When Jesus entered the village of Capernaum, a captain in the Roman army approached him, asking for a miracle. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Ever approach Jesus asking for a miracle? (laughs) We do all the time, don't we? I mean, sometimes I'm like, Jesus, help me to think sane. (laughs) That would be a miracle. Lord, he said, I have a son who is lying in my home, paralyzed and suffering terribly. Jesus responded, I will go with you and heal him. But the Roman officer interjected, Lord, who am I to have you come into my house? I understand your authority, for I too am a man who walks under authority and have authority over soldiers who serve under me. I can tell one to go, and he'll go, and another to come, and he'll come. 
I order my servants and they do whatever I ask. So I know that all you need to do is stand here and command healing over my son and he will be instantly healed. You know, we always marvel at that. But what Jesus marveled at, Jesus was astonished when he heard this and said to those who were following him, he has greater faith than anyone I've encountered in Israel. He had strong faith because he understood authority. He says, I'm going to tuck myself under you. I'm going to yield. I mean, most of us would say, Jesus is going to come to my house and touch my kid. This guy says, you don't even need to come to my house. I know the power of me tucking under you. You're a healer. I'm going to tuck under the healer. And when I tuck under the healer, I know what will happen. The flow of healing will come from your superior to you, me, out into my son. Autonomy is a gift. How do we use it? You know, the beginning of using it is taking thoughts captive sometimes. We've talked so much about that in here, but more and more. And, you know, sometimes this is what I think is so good about God. Often he will give a teacher a message to teach that they need. I'm a picture stretcher, which shows you that I'm a real deep thinker. There's a lot going on in here. And I want the power of deep thinking to cause holy fountains and holy rivers. I don't want to overflow human thinking and philosophy into the earth. I don't want to overflow rigid legalism or religious bondage into the earth. I want people to realize their own privilege to walk with God by the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. So the centurion, this was powerful stuff. Jesus was astonished when he heard this and said to those who followed him, he has greater faith than anyone I've encountered in Israel. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Multitudes of non-Jewish people will stream from the east and the west to enter into the banqueting feast with Abraham, Isaac. I don't need to go any further. Let's go now to um, John 4. Did I click off? I thought I clicked off. This is Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman. This is one of my favorite passages. I don't know. I just always, um, I guess I'm drinking the water and stretching the picture at the well. John 4. um, I'm going to do a couple of different verses here. I want to start at um, 9. Surprised, she said, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? Grace and I had such an interesting conversation. She's such a Bible Holy Ghost theologian. So it was a little different, some more things that I had learned. She stretched the picture further for me. But I want to focus here because the woman was of a group of people that the Jews didn't hang with. So she's surprised at him coming and saying, give me a drink of water. Jesus replied, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give, you, give to you living water. 
The woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket. And this well is very deep. So where do you find this living water? Where do you find this living water? You ever feel like that? Like you don't think Jesus is giving you living water? But it's coming by little inclinations, little opportunities to lean into what he's telling us. You see, the more we lean in, the more the picture stretches and we see what he's trying to do in our lives. I don't know if you remember, but I shared where, um, I guess it was a year ago, September, I was involved with a group of people and it was happening. It was unfolding differently than I thought it was going to. And so I was sort of going through that in my mind with God and I would just thought it would be different. And um, he said, don't look for what you're expecting to the exclusion of what I'm actually doing. Have you asked God, what are you actually doing in my life? I know when he was first teaching me about yielding so that he could begin to show me that I had a call. It felt so stringent and rigid. And I was like, I was looking around at people around me that got away with what to me, it looked like they got away with everything. And I felt like this. And I would have these conversations with Jesus, um, even about people close to me. And I would say like, they do all this stuff. And I, I'm like right here, just like focused in. But you know what I found? I was getting freer and freer. The more that I realized, okay, you, you are calling me to submit this way. I believe this is you. I would start putting absolutes in place. And I really believed God was expecting certain things of me. And I obeyed. I'm not puffing me up because I was griping some stuff. Having some major conversations. But even those conversations, as I yielded in to have conversation with him about what I didn't like, I learned. I encourage you, have conversations about what you like and what you don't like. God doesn't kick you out to the curb when you say, I'm not really liking what you're doing. He doesn't. I mean, think about our kids. Our kids ask us questions, tell us, I don't want to have to stay in my room. Well, you wouldn't be in your room if you hadn't done this. You were given a choice. Obey or go in your room. You see that that's a simple way to learn what to do with your life, your autonomy, your will. There are people that want freedom, not discipline. You won't get freedom. To live in our own will all by ourselves is prison because it is death. Y'all with me? Let me find out where else I want to go. Um, Verse 27, I think I need to get my eyes checked again. I'm looking for these teeny tiny verses here. His disciples come back. At that moment, the disciples returned and were stunned to see Jesus speaking with the Samaritan woman. They were stunned. See, Jesus isn't in the middle of doing things the way the religious crowd wanted him to do them, or people that knew the Bible. He was being led by the Spirit of God. He was yielding to God. And there was a happening, happening. You see, this is what I want you all to grab about you coming on Wednesday nights. You're yielding to God. Most of you are probably, I mean, you may want to come because you know that you sense God and, and you feel encouraged. But in the beginning of it, 
to get disciplined to begin to commit to a weekly meeting in the middle of the, of the week, it might not have been something you really wanted, yet you yield in. So you need to understand that submitting to coming on Wednesdays, you're submitting to God. God is the one that will repay you. God is the one that will take, whether I make sense or not, he will take the truth of the word of God and he will open up your insight, your understanding. He will open up your faith, cause your faith muscle to grow. He will cause you to see things that you couldn't otherwise see. Not because of me, because of his supernatural word, his spirit. The movement that's happening in this room is far bigger than a church meeting. This is not about a church meeting. This is about movement of God in individual lives put together for a corporate explosion. What was it that Pastor Gavin said on Sunday that the Constitution, was it the or the Declaration of Independence, was an apology for the coming revolution? I would like to tell you that tonight, Obedience and submission is an acknowledgement. I'm about to revolt against my own inclinations. See, we need to, de- we need to declare independence from our independence. I believe with all my heart that right now God is truly wooing and nudging the body of Christ To rise up and mature. The message that we had Sunday from Pastor Gavin did just that. Spoke of allegiance to the kingdom that would cause an allegiance in this nation. For which the purpose of this nation came about to begin with. This nation is to be a holy place. A sanctuary. For people from all over the globe. To come and meet God. Not religion. And verse 39, still at John 4, let me find 39. So there were many from the Samaritan village who became believers in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Then they begged Jesus to stay with them. So he stayed there for two days resulting in many more coming to faith in him because of his teachings. So he stays with them. He's yielded. I mean, his disciples are like, what is he doing sitting at the well with a Samaritan? And then he spends two days. Why? He was obedient. He was yielded. And there was a bunch of fruit from a man who chose to take thoughts captive. You see, we can often not move with God in our lives because what will it look like to others? What will it feel like to us? Will people talk about me? What will people think? Will people think I'm religious if I'm a deep worshiper, if I'm a prayer person, if I go after um, provision of others, healing, if I put my hands on them? And, and I'm, not, I'm not telling anyone what to do. I'm simply saying, if we will drink at what he's doing inside of our lives, we will begin to overflow with rivers of obedience. Rivers of obedience that cause us to literally live under, and I'm painting pictures because we do live under an open heaven, but often we don't live under an open heaven manifestly. You see, God is everywhere. However, he's not allowed to move everywhere. Everywhere. 
There are churches that do not even allow him to move. You see, on Wednesday nights, I trust that there is stimulus happening inside of your hearts that, that as you're moved in worship, feel free. Even if you're moved in a service, I'm at the point now where if you feel like you need to scream out or get up and, and move or walk, sometimes when there is a, a stimulus inside of us, you can't sit. When Allison spoke the word a couple of weeks ago and released her heart, her passion, really, with respect to the lesson she had learned, I had, I had to stand up. I was like, I can't sit down. Like, there's fire happening. There, there is a river coming out of this woman because she leaned in and she was vulnerable and, and she put herself out there in front of us and said she disobeyed God multiple times until finally she couldn't get rid of the 20 bucks fast enough. You see, what's happening in us We shouldn't be embarrassed of his movement, his convictions, whatever happens. Don't be embarrassed. Take the lessons, move in the lessons because they will not just bless you. They bless the room. They bless this region. We want changes in government. Let this government change. Take your own autonomy and vote correctly inside. And then everything outside just begins to unfold by the power of this. You see, this is not about chapters and verses. I had the privilege one time to go to my sister's church, a Methodist church. This was years ago. She's not in a Methodist church. Yeah, I guess she is. Um, Again, anyways, these ladies asked me to come in and um, share with them at their ladies Bible study. And I was like, Oh Lord, let me go in and talk about the Holy ghost. I was wanting to whoo, fly in there with the Holy ghost. He said, no, 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 do John chapter one. Just help them to see what this really is. So I talked about that. They said, Oh, can we take you to lunch? Cause she had told them that I was charismatic. And, um, we get to this restaurant. See, curiosity is a holy thing, too. There was something so supernatural that happened. They listened. Oh, and it seemed so, uh, we were in the basement of the church, and it seemed so straight-laced and traditional. And I was, like, sitting there thinking, Lord, I don't even know if they're getting this. And, and he's, just share the truth. Just share the truth. That's all you got to do. This is not about you. This is about them. So I share the truth. We go to lunch. We get to the table. The waitress has not even left the table. She's taken everybody's orders. Almost done. I'd already given my order. And these ladies are like, we hear you talking tongues. (laughs) I'm sitting here thinking, we are in this little restaurant in Burke, Virginia. And I'm thinking they weren't receiving Jesus is the word. They wanted Jesus is the word. (laughs) Shama Tata. They were curious. They didn't understand the things I shared at that table. But there was an overflow. There was an overflow. There were fountains that I drank at and then rivers come out. And I don't know what happened with those ladies. But the point is, it's not about me knowing what happened. You have inclinations. You have opportunities. You are an opportunity for other people to drink at the fountain. Let's go to Matthew 26. Matthew 26, I think it's at 39, let me find it. 
This is Jesus in Gethsemane. Remember what we're talking about, fountains and rivers. We're talking about the power of a yielded will. Then he walked, I'm at verse 39, again in the Passion. Then he walked a short distance away, and overcome with grief, he threw himself face down on the ground and prayed, My father, if there is any way you can deliver me from this suffering, please take it from me. King James, New King James says, if this cup, this purpose, this plan, this, the way you want to do it, if it could be different than that. Yet what I want is not important. For I only desire to fulfill your plan for me. Then an angel from heaven appeared to strengthen him. Even at the very end, Jesus doesn't, and I believe it's powerful that his vulnerability to his humanity is recorded for us in the Bible. At the most poignant point of his ministry on the planet. He's feeling the weight of the walk of his call. And he says if it could be done another way. Nevertheless. It's not about what I want. You know we. We say Jesus knew everything that was going to happen. Um, because God causes us to be strengthened with faith. I personally don't believe his whole life he knew every detail. I believe that as he tucked deeper and deeper with the father the picture stretched and the picture stretched and at this point he probably had and if you know better than me then fine you know I'm just saying my feeling with things like this is God always speaks to us to cause our faith to rise he doesn't tell us icky details that would distract us or debilitate us Jesus is already carrying a weight of what's about to transpire And God strengthens him because he tucks and power and strength comes. I kind of want to just throw out there tonight. There is a power. You know, we've taught, we've talked about mindsets. We've talked about our thoughts. We've talked about taking thoughts captive. um, Thoughts that it's not just so we can think holy thoughts and be prim proper little Christians. It's so that we can live and not die. Because a tiny thought doesn't stay a tiny thought. A tiny thought about who you think you are or that you don't have value doesn't stay tiny. It gets larger and larger. But the power of knowing that is that a good thought also gets larger and larger. Taking the thought of God, taking, I found myself in the shower today singing. Um, It was wild because I just started singing, let this mind be in you. That also lived in Jesus. And then I found myself singing a chorus that was, it's a mind of joy. It's a mind of peace. It's a mind of comfort. It's a mind of provision. I yielded into an inclination. I tucked in a place that filled me with strength for the day. We have the right to do what we feel is appropriate However, yielding that right to the purpose of another is quite amazing and is the release of a very supernatural power, the power of submission. I actually found my own desires by tucking my life with Pastor Barry and actually serving his vision. 
very frustrating thing. <laughs> Often. Often it was. Because, you know, we're grown adults. It's okay to have our own dreams. But when God says, this is a direction I'm going to actually fulfill your life's purpose. Jesus chose one, one scripture, in, and I can't recall where it is, in the King James, says that on the cross he could have called 10,000 angels to deliver him. He could have been delivered. Yet he chose to be obedient. And I think one of the most powerful things that hit me recently was, um, and I've thought, I've meditated a lot. I stretch the picture, like I tell you. I stretch the picture. I've stretched the picture on his conversation with God um, on saying that, um, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. And so when I stretched the picture recently, I caught a glimpse of something that I'm still meditating in. But it was that even that inclination, he was so submitted to the Father, still in a gut-wrenching place, hanging on a cross, that the Father's forgiveness came to him. And he, because remember, he told us in his ministry that he never did or said anything the Father didn't tell him to do or say. So on the cross, completely debilitated, he still yielded to the Father. The Father's heartbeat of love for those even who had put him there rose up in him. He drank at that fountain and said what the Father told him to say. Forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. You see, these good things come to us and we might think we're having our own thought. Not meaning to make less of what Jesus did on the cross by saying that you have thoughts too that rise up and you may think they're only your thoughts, but they're not. When they're good things, when they benefit yourself or others, they're coming from God. The word of God says that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the father with whom there's no variableness, no shadow of turning. It's a good thing. That's why when Allison had the impression to give the $20, but that could have been used wrongly by the homeless man, God wasn't worried about how he was going to use the money. God wanted him to know he was loved. She submitted in finally with a $20 bill. I believe that even that God was looking ahead. He knew exactly when she would submit. He knew that he wasn't going to lift up off of her. He wasn't going to stop. He continued, and she kept drinking at the fountain. She kept receiving the conviction until finally it literally caused her will to link with his. And now not only that $20 bill in a veteran's depository for money, but now all of us have been touched by that, her lesson. Do y'all see the power of you yielding your will doesn't stay with just you. You may not even talk about it in here, but it affects us all when we come together. Our wills yielded, even our frustrations when we share our frustrations in chats. It's powerful still. It's not like sometimes people say, well, don't talk about the negative stuff in public. Well, then where are people going to do it? Where are they going to process? Where do verbal processors process if they can't say anything negative out loud? Please, Jesus. The church has got to wake up. Love allows people to come and not be okay so that they can get okay. To come and be in the grasp of love. I'm going to have to quit. I'll have to 
maybe continue this next week. Because I really want to delve into, um, at the beginning, the dynamics of creation. Because this aspect of fountains and rivers, we are built, we're so built to spring up. To spring up an overflow was eternal life. We're so built to submit to God, but then even to submit our lives to one another. To put our gifts together and let them billow. Father, we honor you. We love you. We love your word. Father God, we love what you're doing here with us together. Thank you that we're together, Father God. Thank you that there's acceptance in this room. Complete acceptance from you and from one another. I thank you, Father, that this is a place where anyone can come and open their heart and open their mind and be affected by the truth himself. Thank you, Father, that you are causing fountains to burst forth into rivers that literally begin to bind lives together and gather the way you intended That your family would gather. We love you Father God. I thank you so much for each man and woman present tonight. I thank you that you're not joking around with their lives. You're serious. You care deeply. And your intention is that they would receive joy. And peace. And freedom. And so we thank you that it's here on Wednesday nights. You are here. And so that abundance of gracing to live freely is here. And I just say thank you, Father, for the simplicity of the supernatural all around us every day with every breath we take. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys so much. Have a great week.